Yeah. Yeah, old school. That's what I'm talking about. Listen, this ain't for everybody. Some of y'all need to hear this. Huh. I know you're in the trenches fighting, but check it out. I'm going to put it down like this so I can help the saints understand. Everything you're going through is all part of the master plan. Or what? You thought because you got saved, everything was going to be peaches and cream? You better wake up, son. Don't nothing come to a sleep of what I drink. Faith without works is dead. Read your Bible. You know what it says. He who don't work, don't eat. Slackers don't get fed. Huh, yeah. Jesus said, he who puts his hands to the plow looks back the same ain't fit. Some of y'all ain't been in the Christmas five minutes and you about ready to quit. I ain't mad at you. I'm just hitting you with the real. If you died for me and I was still tripping, now how you think that make you feel? Check this out. Deep game. This here's deep, huh? Some of y'all ain't sawing nothing but you started trying to reach, huh? But after him who was able to possess your father by his glory. Struggles might be part of your testimony, but it ain't the end of the story. Now the point is this was prophesied way back in the day. Choir, sing your hook right here and see if the church can relate. Kathy, are you with us? I'm here. Hi, Kathy. Welcome. I'm going to introduce you, and then um, Lamont's going to ask you a lot of questions because he has a lot of issues about stress, so we're going to try to help him out today. Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Our guest today is Dr. Kathy Groover, Ph.D. Kathy is a licensed massage therapist, a Reiki master, and a hypnotherapist. She's also a TV host, a speaker, a writer, and she is an authority on health and wellness issues. Her first book, The Alternative Medicine Cabinet, was actually selected as a winner of the Beverly Hills Book Awards and a finalist for the Indie Excellence Awards. Her book, Conquer Your Stress with Mind-Body Techniques, has won five awards for excellence, and her fifth book, Journey of Healing was just released and has already won four awards. Kathy, we are very honored to have you today, and we are excited about this subject. Um, It looks like you've got a lot of experience with alternative forms. Alternative is really kind of a strange word here, so I'm going to ask you, if you don't mind, to begin by talking about maybe even just a little bit what you what we mean by alternative medicine. Yeah, absolutely, and thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be with you guys today. You're uh, welcome. You know, it's it's interesting because what I consider alternative, what most people think of as alternative medicine, actually started out to be our traditional medicine of using yeah. things like herbs, homeopathics, food, water, exercise, those natural things that get our bodies into a place that they can heal themselves. We now consider that alternative medicine when in reality that's what we should be doing first. Um, and then, you know, we can say either allopathic or Western medicine as, as what now people consider traditional medicine. So our definitions have sort of flipped around a little bit. But right now, alternative medicine or or integrative or complementary alternative medicine is is really considered those things that are a little more natural that your regular primary care physician is probably not going to recommend to you. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You're right. You're so right. Lamont, I can hear you breathing back there, buddy. You got a question for Kathy? 
No, go ahead. She was doing good. I mean, okay. you know, I was. Right. I, I'll wait a little while because I was just trying to figure out. The, well, waiting for her to tell us how did uh, the massage and uh, the, the stress how that played into the healing process. Well, Kathy, how did you start on your path to being a healer? Yeah, absolutely. I started out really accidentally. I, I never set out to be doing this. I was an actor, of all things. So I got on stage when I was in about fifth grade and swore I'd never get off the stage and uh, was actually a theater major. And it was during my time, I went to school in Pittsburgh where I grew up, and during my time as a theater major, we were doing uh, this just amazing, we had an amazing children's theater. And uh, this woman would show up with teas and herbs and homeopathics and potions and mats and she'd put us all on the floor and she would work on the actors for free and I watched her every single day I was fascinated with it and I would you know fetch her a certain cream or I'd fetch someone a certain glass of tea and one day she turned to me and said oh Kathy I've got to get back to my job I know I've got five people waiting can you take those mats and go in the other room and work on John and I looked at her, and I said, no, I have no, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm an actor. What's wrong with you? I can't go work on this other student. And she looked at me, and she said, yes, you do. And I had the sense to listen to her. So it was one of those moments in my life when a very wise person spoke to my soul, and I said, okay. And I took those mats, and I went into the other room, and I worked on this other student, and I was really pretty damn good at it. And uh, I enjoyed it. So I apprenticed with her for three summers, and when I moved to California to pursue the acting career, I thought what a great sideline is you know, to be able to do massage and body work. So I studied it further, and when I moved up to Santa Barbara, I gave up acting, I gave up the healing work, I was going to start an entire new career, which fell through in about six weeks, and I found myself <laughs> floundering and aching to get my hands back on people. So I started my own massage practice, and, and over time I realized people were relying on me to be a health practitioner, not just a massage therapist. So I started studying more and more, and I started writing and lecturing, and here I am 15 years later with uh, you know, five books, and one is about to be re-released with a, with a traditional publisher, and I've lectured around the world, and I've got a massage DVD, and uh, I got to help with a military project this year, and I've done expert witness work, and you know things blossomed and unfolded, and I joked with someone the other day, I said, I think I'm just following the breadcrumbs. You know, I show up one day and go, oh, that looks, oh, let's go there. You know, and I just, I'm going where I'm led. So it's been an amazing journey. What made you decide to run from the acting career? It was, um, it, I'm a Capricorn. <laughs> and for anybody listening that knows what that means, um, I'm, I'm very, um, I'm very, I'm a control freak. I'm very anal retentive. I'm very, I'm very driven. I'm very go go go. And any other profession, if you're good at what you do and you put the work in, you see success. Uh, you don't have someone with a law degree waiting tables. If you're good at what you do, you go and you become a lawyer. Uh, it's not that way with the acting. And I was really good at it, and I busted my tail. And still didn't get anywhere because it's so out of your hands. And I found that very frustrating. Um, I ended up taking a full-time job as the associate producer at a documentary film company with the understanding of, look, we need you here. You cannot run out in the middle of the day and go to an audition. So I had this very uh, key decision to make of, okay, am I actually going to have a career with, you know, like health insurance and a paycheck, uh, or am I going to continue to go to cattle calls where I'm asked to be a dancing piece of pizza and still don't get cast? Uh, so there was, yeah, that was the pivotal moment where I went, what the heck am I? They're like, run around like you're in a pizza costume, and when we spring you with cheese it makes you high and I'm like what I'm a tr classically trained actor what am I doing um, and that was just one of those moments where I went this is so ridiculous uh, so I stopped uh, I still did theater I actually directed a show that I had written and produced and uh, so I still had my, my finger in the pie but wasn't pursuing it as a career and it's sort of like being an alcoholic and working in a bar you know for me to still be living in Hollywood still have all my friends talking about auditions and friends with my agent and not doing it was really incredibly difficult. So that was one of the things that actually thrust me out of LA and up to Santa Barbara. I just, I had to get out of that environment. I have, I have, I have moments where I want to go back, but I uh, can't handle that lifestyle, man. It was too frenetic for me. See, now I know where part of my stress comes from. <laughs> yeah. Kathy, I don't know if you were aware of it or not, but uh, you share something in common with Lamont. Oh yeah. That's why he asked you that question. Okay. Are I you just an actor? outed him here. <laughs> yes, he you is. Out, are you an actor, dear? <laughs> yes, he is. 
Hey, look, when when I'm not a record when I'm not a record company CEO, when I'm not a publishing company owner, right. <laughs> then I'm an actor. Right. Well, see, and that's what I'm saying. I mean, you need, you know, I know, I know people who are, quote, really successful actors. You know, you see them show up on Seinfeld, and you see them in national commercials, and you see them as a recurring role on Friends, and you see them. But you know, as soon as that day shoot is over, you're unemployed again. You got to go go look for another job. Um, so unless you're really one of those, and I'm gonna say lucky. I don't really believe in luck. But if you're one of those people that end up in the right place at the right time to get a really big show. But there's still that, okay, when that ends now, what do you do? You know, so it's an, it's an interesting lifestyle. And because of the um, just the out-of-control nature of it and the inconsistency, and I, I always had a day job. I was not one of those people that just did the starving actor thing. I, I couldn't do it. I was too too financially responsible for that. Uh, but, yeah, it, just, it started to drive me It was just too much. I couldn't keep it up. So, yeah. Understandable. But the, the the cool thing is, because I had so many people say, wow, boy, you probably are so upset you wasted all that time, or, oh, you know, you were a theater major, what a waste of an education. I'm thinking, no, first of all, I don't believe anything's a waste, because now I'm doing radio, and I'm doing TV, and I'm standing in front of people and doing live talks, and so much of that acting comes through in that, because anybody can stand up in front of you and say, stress is bad, blah, 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 and, you know, do this very cut-and-dry speech, and I make it fun and funny and exciting, and, you know, I get to combine the acting and the healing and not have to stand in line to be a dancing piece of pizza. So I, it's the best of both worlds. Well, there's quite a bit of difference between acting and doing massage. I mean, I, I, that's that's just like, to me, sounds like two different worlds, Um uh, what, why you say that, you Matt? Say it's that? a ha- why you say that, Matthew? It's a hands-on people's business. No. What? Just, well, Matthew, I mean, didn't, Matthew acting, didn't get that, Kathy. <laughs> I got hands-on. Um, yeah, you know, it's actually though. I, I'm really good at reading people, and I'm really good at relating to people, and I also think that's one of the reasons I had, I have such a sex, successful massage career, is because. I can communicate with people and I can read them pretty quickly and see what aspect of my personality I need to magnify to relate to them. Do they need bubbly, funny Kathy? Do they need very serious? Do they need very calm? Do they need, you know, I can pull one of those characters out and give them what they need for that session. Um, And I always try to make my clients laugh. If they don't walk out of my office having at least one good chuckle, you know, that's healing and it's fun. And um, I bring that to every session that I work with people. So that's, that's quite the gift too. What kind of massage do you do, Kathy? I do deep tissue trigger point and medical massage. So no one comes to me for just fluffy. If they call and say, can I get an hour and a half Swedish? I say, no, you can, just not from me. Uh, I have a lot of referrals from chiropractors, people who are dealing with cancer, car accidents, pre- and post-op, recurring pain, chronic pain, chronic disease. Uh, I really enjoy working with that population. I have a lot of elderly, elderly clients. Uh, a lot of, like I said, a lot of clients with cancer. I lost six clients to cancer last year, which was way too many. Really not, mm. not good. <laughs> but I'm glad I can help them through that in whatever phase they're in. You know, if they're terminal, I try to help keep them comfortable. I help keep them positive. Um, if they want to, I will talk about end of life transitions. You know, whatever they need. Do you work a lot with um, uh, people who are caretaking uh, people who are suffering with cancer? Yeah, you know, it sort of comes accidentally. Um, I think there's only been maybe two cases where people have come to me because they have cancer. Usually it's a client of mine I already have who suddenly develops cancer. So usually at that point I either know the spouse, I've already worked on the spouse. Yeah, it's kind of disturbing when I have client after client showing up and going, oh, guess what, I just got this diagnosis. You know, really um, very sad, and uh, I – I get very emotionally attached to people anyway, and in my profession, you kind of can't help it because you are dealing with them on, you know, possibly a weekly basis. So mm-hmm. I feel so um, – I have my heart is so open for uh, oncology nurses and, um, you know, hospice workers and things like that. But oftentimes I've had relationships with people for 15 years, and then they develop cancer and, and die. So I have these very long-term relations with relationships with my clients and and I just I love them they're such big special parts of my life and actually lost one a couple weeks ago not to cancer just to kind of illness in general and it was really hard for me it was very heartbreaking to lose her she was she was amazing Mm, yeah because you've had a long relationship yeah over 13 years you 
you brought hypnosis into this mixture uh-huh. at some point. When did that happen? I I have been kind of fiddling with hypnosis since I was a little kid. It always fascinated me. I, I didn't work on I didn't use it professionally because I, I couldn't. Um, but it was always interesting to me, and it made perfect sense. You know, so much of so many of us walk around in a state of hypnosis anyway. You know, we've all had that experience where we're driving on the freeway and we suddenly kind of go, Oh, did, did I pass my exit? Where would it? That co- where does that Burger King come from? Where you know we don't know where we are because we've kind of zoned out, and that's us being completely mindless and basically hypnotized. Um, so I actually added hypnosis professionally as a modality, I think two years ago now, to my practice. And I've used that as an extension of the massage. It's, it's funny because the two most popular reasons people go to a hypnotherapist are to stop smoking and to lose weight. And those are two things I don't want to work with. <laughs> I don't want those. I don't want those two challenges. Um, so I've done a lot of work with pre and post op. Um, I have a woman who's dealing with cancer treatment right now, who I did some, um, you know, positive thought work with. Um, it's great for fears and phobias and anxieties. Um, I do something called Mythic and Archetypal Journeys, which is a three-hour session, and it really helps you get in touch with where you are in life, where you're heading, what your subconscious wants to tell you. It's really a lot of fun, and people walk out of my office completely transformed. So I really enjoy doing the hypnosis. It's eventually when my poor old body won't let me do massage anymore, um, I'll definitely increase the hypnotherapy work because it's, it's, not, it's, it's, emo- it's, it's emotionally challenging and mentally challenging because I have to come up with stuff to facilitate, but it's not physically challenging. So I think as my, as my arms and fingers start to go, no way, um, that'll continue on. So it's, it's a beautiful modality it's absolutely beautiful kathy um how does uh massage and uh reiki coexist mm-hmm. reiki is beautiful it's a it's a hands-on healing technique so it's not really a massage technique though a lot of massage therapists do it um you simply put your hands on the person and the energy starts to flow through you it actually comes from whatever word you want to call it, universal energy god energy christ energy whatever it is moves through the through the person doing the healing and into the person on the table and it can only be used for good it goes to where it's needed and it's such an amazing modality and and what impresses me about it is for the longest time it was sort of this fringe oh this weird people are doing this hands-on stuff but you know so many hospitals around the country i think 90 hospitals around the country and pretty much every cancer center i have ever heard of has reiki sessions because it's gentle it's calming it heals on all levels of body mind spirit Um, i've seen evidence of it speeding wound healing and speeding bone healing and and things like that after accidents. It's really great for emotional healing. A lot of people have come to me after either the loss of a child, a divorce, the loss of a spouse, that sort of thing. And it's just really soothing and really beautiful. And it's great for cancer patients because oftentimes they can't have massage for one of two reasons. Either it's too painful, they're just their entire body hurts from either the cancer or the cancer treatment. Or if you're in early stages of cancer, there's a possibility that it could spread through the lymph depending on the type of cancer. So you want to avoid massage mm-hmm. until it's been cleared by a doctor. So doing Reiki is a really soothing, healing way to have that human touch and not risk, uh, you know, spreading, spreading the cancer around the body. So Reiki, love, I love doing it. I've been doing that since Well, when you do Reiki, do you actually touch your clients? Yeah, I do. Uh, some people hover the hands above, which still works, uh-huh. but I just think having that touch and my hands get really really hot and they vibrate um so that you know the client can feel that it's as if you clapped your hands really hard for a while and held them about an inch apart you can feel that heat and that vibration um Mm -hmm. and people you know people are comforted by that sensation so yeah i put the hands on well there's a there's it sounds like a powerful experience yeah yeah it really is i had a woman who this was such a horrible horrible occurrence for her. She was pregnant, and she had gone to the doctor for just a regular checkup, and it turned out there was something horribly wrong with the baby, and it needed to go, like, right then. Um, and they basically gave her 20 minutes to decide, yes, I have to terminate this pregnancy. Her husband was out of town. He didn't even have time to get there, and she had to go through this horrible experience basically to save her own life. This was not a frivolous act by any means. Um, but she had no time to think. She had nobody there with her, and she was thrust into surgery. Uh, and she took that really hard. I mean, who wouldn't, you know? Um, and I didn't know her, and she showed up at my office, and she told me the story. And I did Reiki on her for about an hour, 
and about halfway through I just I had this urge to if if I have an urge to ask someone a question or to say something to them I just I've learned to go with that <laughs> you know even if it sounds silly to me it, it always seems right and I said you know you can at any time talk to your talk to your child I said they they exist around you I said so just take that opportunity if you want to and she closed her eyes really tight and I could see that she was just thinking and tears started to come and she cried for about 10 minutes and then her face just fell into this beautiful peaceful state she looked so incredible and after about 20 minutes more you know she got up off the table and she looked like a completely different person so I don't know what she was thinking or saying in her own mind or what experience she had or if if she was visited or if you know I don't know I it's none of my business what happens in that person unless they want to share with me and she said wow I feel like a new person and she walked out of my office Mm. completely transformed I never saw her again couldn't even tell you what her name was at this point it's been years but it was just such a beautiful occurrence and and people who are terminal or people who are dealing with you know near death, um, Reiki can be a really beautiful transformation for them. Do you, do you combine um, massage and with um, recommendations or suggestions about nutrition for people or in, in any way what they're eating? Yeah, I do talk about that. It typically, it's, when I got my degree as a traditional naturopath, um, I thought, oh, this is great. I can start doing health consultations, and people will come to my office, and you know, we were going to have an hour and a half session. We'll talk about everything. And I found that people don't really want to do that. Uh, they don't want to sit down and actually talk about things they have to change. That's either overwhelming or scary or whatever. Some some people certainly do. Um, and what I found was if people actually did come for that type of consultation, they would either cancel the second one because they didn't do the things that I had suggested they do, or they'd show up to the second session and say, oh, I didn't, I didn't do anything you told me to. To which I went, okay, then, then why are you here? Because <laughs> you know, I can't do anything with that. But during massage, these conversations would organically happen, um, especially about the stress and the mind-body medicine. So it was actually an interesting lesson for me that you know um, people who want to make changes, but they want to feel like it's coming really subtly for most people. So um, I do talk about nutrition only if they ask. You know, I would certainly not launch into that unless it was something that was brought up from my, from their perspective, uh, I will talk to my clients about their stress. Uh, I might go over affirmations with them or talk about visualization. I might have them visualize something during the massage, um, things like that. Uh, typically, stress exacerbates whatever condition it is, whether it's pain or headaches or depression or you know having stress really makes those things worse. So I will have a lot of conversations about stress during the massage. And if they want to hear about nutrition, we certainly talk about that. Well, when you talk about stress, um, here are lots of people. I mean, we all talk about it uh, a lot. I mean, it's just part of our general conversation. Yep. When you are using the term, what exactly are you talking about? Yeah, that's a really great question because I'm actually not really talking about stress per se. I'm talking about our response to that stress because stress isn't our problem. You know, we can't control anything that's happening external to ourselves. The traffic, what's happening in the government, what's happening with uh, the the elections, what's happening overseas with all these horrible attacks. You know, we can't control any of that. We can only control our response to it. And when we learn to not try to control these things outside of ourselves, which can drive us crazy, um, we tend to have a little better time with it. And we can learn to control our response by doing things like meditation or mindfulness, affirmations, visualization, either yoga, tai chi, um, exercise. You know, everybody has their way of reducing stress. By that, I mean stress response. Uh, so that's really what I'm talking about is, is our personal and individual reaction to those things that are happening outside ourselves. So you have some particular techniques that you teach people to help them confront or deal with that or manage it? I do. I do. My favorite one is called a mini meditation. Um, I'm like I said at the beginning of the show, I'm very type A. I'm very driven. um, I'm very much control freak and I'm an only child. So of course, you know, the world revolves around me. Uh, So I was not real good at meditation. If you told me to sit on a pillow and relax my body and quiet my mind, I was terrible at it. And so many people said, oh, you should meditate. But they never told me really how or what that would do. 
Um, and when I had the privilege of studying at Harvard, they said, okay, today we're going to meditate. And I thought, oh, no. Oh, no, I'm terrible. I can't do it. I can't quiet my mind. You know, I'm a dancer. I've been dancing since I was five. Don't tell me to sit still. It's, I, oh, I can't do it. Uh, but they taught us something really simple called the mini meditation where you simply concentrate on your breath, the inhale and the exhale. And on the inhale, you think, I am. And on the exhale, you think, at peace. And you just keep repeating that over and over again. And whether it's two or three minutes or 10 minutes or 20 minutes, and if other thoughts intrude, which they often do, you know, your to-do list pops in or you realize you forgot to call somebody or you start to think about that sporting event tomorrow or what's for dinner tonight, or, you know, just dismiss it and say, oh, okay, I was thinking, that's great. And without judgment and return to your breath and thinking I am exhale at peace and the first time we did that we did it for about five minutes and when she said open your eyes and come back to the room I shook my head no which made the instructor laugh because she could tell I got it Um, and I've taught that to millions of people kids teens drug addicts um, uh, sick and dying people teen I mean just everybody It, it works for everybody and you can do it anywhere and at any time, you can do it in your car. Please don't close your eyes. Uh, you could do it at the airport when you're waiting for your flight after its fifth delay. You know, it doesn't make the flight come quicker, but it changes your response to it. It's such a powerful thing. Fantastic. Uh, Kathy, Matt, I think we have somebody else that might want to join us. Let me let them oh, in. Cool. Do this is 347, you're on. Yeah, hello. This is Joan again from New York. Uh, hi, I Joan. To ask, yeah, Hi. I had tried hypnosis 25 years ago. Uh, I paid $3,000. I had to sign a contract, by the way. And I had a psychiatrist on board who gave us subliminal messages. We sat in this machine type thing. After three months, the only thing that lost weight was my bank account. <laughs> the fact that I gained five pounds. So I tried that route. I tried Ricky, and uh, that didn't work. Now I'm trying the tapping method, you know, tapping certain parts of around uh-huh. the face, facial areas, the cheekbones, the forehead. I'm trying that because I have now have breast cancer and I have heart failure. I have this all wow. in six months. Wow. So I'm really in dire need for something. So I was thinking I was going to try your method of uh, uh, breast meditation. I hope that works because I'm in real trouble. I'm in real trouble right here now. So uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, it sounds like you've got a lot going on. You know, one of the things that's so great about using alternative medicine is if one technique doesn't work, there's always 30 more. And if one practitioner doesn't work, there's always more practitioners. Um, And I've had people come to me for Reiki and say, oh, this isn't how the last guy did it. The last guy jumped around the room with feathers and and seashells and chanting, and I don't do it that way. Um, Reiki is really great, especially as you go through cancer treatment. It it could really help depending on who the practitioner is. Tapping, you know, the EFT, I never really got into that. I was taught that during my hypnotherapy training, um, and it just didn't didn't ring my bell. Um, but it can be really great for a lot of people. You know, and just because the hypnosis that long ago didn't work, um, the fact that he made you sign such an expensive contract, and there's a debate about whether subliminal mes- messaging actually works to change habits, you know, it might be a different practitioner works better for you. So, um, you know, don't discount the method just because it didn't work once. Um, but there are so many different options you can try. And uh, if you're in New York, I'm sure there's like a breast cancer resource center or somebody that has options to help you not only relax but also get through your treatment. So I, I wish you the best of luck with it all. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. All right. All right bye-bye. Thank you for calling. All right. For those of you just joined us, you listen to Canal Clay or Play if you'd like to join the conversation with Dr. Kathy Groover and my esteemed colleague, Matthew Anderson, and myself. Just press number one on your phone, and uh, we'll be glad to hear from you. Oh, sorry about that. Call in number 646-929-2870. You're supposed to remind me, Matthew. <laughs> I was going to say, that's he pretty powerful it. stuff. If you could just push one and get to us, that's that's amazing. <laughs> that's what yeah. he has a special phone. Okay. He has a very special phone. The rest of us don't have it. We have the dollar, the other number. Ah, The the number, again, is 646-929-2870. And once you get hooked up, you press number one, and magically you get to talk to Lamont then. (laughs) Exactly.
Exactly, the elixir of love. <laughs> you know? Yeah, baby. That's right. <laughs> Kathy, I'm interested in jumping over to uh, take control of your relationship with the doctor because a lot of people mm. don't know how to do that, you know, um, especially senior citizens. Yeah. They, you know, I guess they come from an era where, you know, we used to, well, I uh-oh, I used to say we. But I remember when there was a time that doctors used to come to your home. You had your uh-huh. own family practitioner used to come to your house. Nowadays, yeah. it's a situation where there's no real personal relationship with your practitioner, and whatever they prescribe for you, you pretty much just take whatever they give you, and you don't really know what really that is or what other side effects come yeah. with that. Yeah, the whole thing's been kind of a mess, and and I'm going to preface this part of the conversation by saying I am not in any way anti-Western medicine. People assume because I teach about alternatives and integrative that I'm anti-Western medicine. No, 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 not at all. I'm so glad we have it. I'm so glad we have some of the surgeries and some of the prescriptions we have. I wish a lot of it was used differently, but I'm so glad we have it. Um, Having said that, everything's kind of a mess right now, Um, and especially with the seniors, and I'm so glad you brought that up because I have so many clients who are of, you know, 60 and above, who they go to the doctor with a problem and the doctor simply says, well, you know, you're old. Well, you know, you're over 60. Or, well, you know, you are 75. That's not an answer. Um, and if your doctor's telling you that, it's time to either argue with him or her or get a new new practitioner because that that is not, not everybody has to have joint pain and headaches and mobility issues. Just because you're over a certain age doesn't mean that has to happen. Um, we need to continue to exercise whatever that looks like for you. Maybe it's getting in the pool. Maybe it's just arm weights. Maybe it's laying in bed and stretching. Maybe it's a gentle yoga. You know, I've seen people in wheelchairs exercise. We can all do it. Um, you have I just to. Wanted, I'm all, I just. Oh, go ahead. I just want to tell Matthew that does not include looking at young girls on the beach turning your head from side <laughs> to side. Yeah, no. You could, in fact, you could strain your neck that way and end up in a neck brace. So that would be, yeah. <laughs> the person here with a bad neck is Lamont. <laughs> Use them as motivation. Look at the young girls and say, I could look that good. Use it as a motivation. Uh, I, I'm all about writing things down, and, and, and it seems that as we get older, we have more health problems, and we have more confusing health problems because symptoms like I'm tired all the time, well, geez, that could be any number of things. That could be nutrition. That could be thyroid. That could be cancer. That could be sleep apnea. That could be overweight. That could be a, a side effect from another pill. You know, so we're, you start to get into all these vague symptoms that don't point to one specific thing. So write stuff down. Take time about two weeks before your scheduled appointment, and as things pop into your head that you're going to want to talk to the doctor about, write them down. And when you get into his office, his or her office, um, you know, you have an average of about seven minutes. You can't cover very much in seven minutes. And usually within 35 to 45 seconds, the doctor interrupts you. So it's really hard to get everything out. Um, and don't save the best for last. Don't go over the stubbed toe and the funky, itchy thing on your hand. And then at the end of seven minutes say, oh, yeah, I've been bleeding out my eyes. You'll probably want to start with that one. Um, So, you know, write things down, get a second opinion if you need it, and it's totally okay to ask questions. I give you permission to ask questions, especially if you've just been been given a diagnosis or a prescription, because oftentimes they throw a bunch of initials at you or they use some big Latin word that you don't understand. It's okay to say, can you explain to me what that is? How is that going to progress? What did you just prescribe me? What should it do to me? What if it does something to me that's bad, when should I call you? What if it doesn't work? Is it going to interact with anything else? You know, there are so many questions that you need to, to, to ask about what you've just been told. Um, and I'll tell you a client story to illustrate this. I had a client who, she was a young lady. She was in her 20s, but she was, she's big. She, you could put her in the morbidly obese category. Um, she went to the doctor, and she said, you know, I'm really short of breath, and I'm having trouble going upstairs. And the doctor kind of looked her up and down and went, well, you know, you are heavy. And she says, yes, but I can't breathe. And he goes, well, you know, if you could lose 50 or 60 pounds, you know, it probably, your breathing would get better. She went to three doctors who simply told her she's fat. And she finally to the third doctor said, look, I know I'm fat. I've been fat my entire life. The breathing is new. I want a chest x-ray. 
And he finally gave in. He gave her a chest X-ray, and it turned that her turned out her lungs were filled with blood clots, mm. and wow. she could have died. And but because she was fat, quote fat, because the person's old, because the person had whatever, you know, um, <laughs> that's not an excuse and it's not an answer. And and I'm unfortunately seeing so many physicians with this very lackadaisical attitude of, oh, it's yet another old person who wants a prescription they saw off TV. You know, I, I really rue the day we started advertising pharmaceuticals on TV, and us and New Zealand are the only countries that allow that to happen, by the way. Um, I think it's horrible for the patients. I think it's horrible for the doctors. The only person that's benefiting is the drug industry, not to get political here, but um, but write stuff well, down. The, that's the truth, though. Yeah, I know. Write stuff down, talk to your doctor, ask questions, get a second, third opinion, and if you treat, you know your body better than anybody, I hope. Um, we have to take a moment every day and think about how our body feels, how is our body moving, because there's so many clients that come into my office and I ask them how they're feeling and they go, oh, okay, I don't know. They don't think about it. You know, we can describe that weird sound our car makes when we turn left up a hill to our mechanic, but we can't tell our doctor how our body feels. We have to treat ourselves at least as good as we do our car. So pay attention, write it down, and be very honest and open in your communication with the doctor. Well, well I was just going to ask you really that, good. Kathy. Uh, sorry, Matt. I was just going to ask you, Kathy, why Why is that? Why is it that people get so hung up in everything else and, and don't pay attention to that man or woman in the mirror? You know, they don't really pay attention to what's really going on with their body. Well, it's very selfish if we put ourselves first. You know, it swings to, I'm being sarcastic, but it swings to either extreme. Either the person, you know, I have so many clients who every little thing they run to the doctor, and it becomes that crying wolf sort of hypochondriac thing where when something truly is wrong, either they're afraid to go to the doctor because they don't want the doctor to judge them because that will be their third visit this month, or they run for everything so the doctor stops taking you seriously so that when there is something wrong, it's missed. Um, or the person goes, oh, I'm sure it's fine that my leg just fell off. Ah, it'll be okay. It'll, it'll grow back on. You know, it's like there, somewhere there's that place of balance of knowing yourself. And I think if you know yourself, you're not going to be as apt to run for every little thing. Um, there are times where we really do need to go to the doctor. You know, if you've got pain that is not going away that you don't know why it's there, if you've got sudden and severe headaches, if you've got a fever, if you've got diarrhea lasting longer than two days, you know, there are reasons, definite reasons to go to the doctor. Uh, change in a mole. You know, I've found skin cancer on several of my clients because I see them on a weekly basis and I can look at that thing and go, oh, that's getting really angry. That shouldn't look like that. You need to go have that checked. Um, but if we don't look at ourselves, if we don't listen to our bodies, um, I don't think we're trained to do that. Uh, I think you know, bodies are icky and they're weird and they smell funny and we don't want to have to acknowledge that. But we have to take that time to know not only how our physical body is, but how is our emotional body and our mental body and our spiritual body? You know, how is all of that working? And if it's not, let's figure out why and then let's get it fixed. And a lot of the fixing comes from us. Right. I think the important thing that you just mentioned, too, is we have to take that time. We have a lot of time mm -hmm. for everything else, but yeah. not enough time in the right places. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, because no one's going to take better care of us than us. No one knows us better than us. Um, we can't walk into our doctor's office, throw up our hands and say, fix me, if we are not in touch with what is even going wrong or right in our own beings. So I think it's well, really that's important. A, that's a very important point that you're making, and I think you've been speaking articulately to that subject in the past five minutes. And it used to be, you know, when Lamont was talking about doctors would actually, medical doctors would actually mm -hmm. come to one's house. Yep. It used to be that, that the attitude was the doctor knows best and right. he comes, uh, it was seldom a woman. Right. Uh, he comes and you put yourself in his hands and you just become a kind of submissive patient. Mm -hmm. And we are shifting over in the last 50 years or so to this whole idea that you're talking about very clearly is that we need to be the ones who are at the center of our medical care and use everybody else as a consultant and a guide, but not don't give away the authority about what happens with our own body just because a guy has a medical degree or a woman doesn't mean necessarily that they know what's best for you. So you have to manage yourself that way. Or the other thing that often helps, and I would imagine you, you – uh, 
Kathy, you suggest this to people too. Take someone with you who's going to ask those questions and help yeah. you with it. Absolutely. If you're not really had, good at it, take somebody with you. Yep. I've had an or, experience where I've had a doctor who got really hostile with me. I went to the uh-huh. doctor with my father, and he had several doctors in the VA, and each one of them was prescribing them medication, but none of the doctors were communicating with each other. And they wasn't communicating, so one doctor didn't know what another doctor was doing. And my father, being a senior, you know, um, the doctor gave him the medicine. So he was just taking all this medicine. Come to find out, he was just taking three or four different medications that he didn't need to take. And then when I questioned the doctor about it, she actually got an attitude with me, like I was being a know-it-all until I started talking about suing for malpractice. I mean, yeah. I mean that was crazy, and how you know that's unfortunate that some people feel that the doctors are the all you know the all the end all. You know, you're the doctor; you're supposed to know this. And if you say this is wrong with me, that's what it is. And and like you were saying, that's just not so. Right. Well, and I think you raised a really good point. We have had that shift in the last 50 years, and that doctor that made the house call. That doctor delivered you <laughs> as a baby, um, dealt with your gynecological problems, dealt with your rectal problems, dealt with your throat problems. Dealt with, you know, this doctor learned everything. They were like right. a veterinarian. I mean, they knew it all. There was not this specialty stuff. And I think I'm so glad we have specialty stuff. But the problem with that is, you know, the guy learns about the big toe on the left foot, and that's it. And if any of the other toes have a problem, well, we've got to send you to somebody else for that. And is there communication between all of that? Is there um, working as a team? And, you know, I have my primary care practitioner. I have an endocrinologist. I have a gynecologist. I have two chiropractors. I have two acupuncturists. I have two massage therapists. You know, I have a team of people that work with me. Um, And with the computer and, you know, I'm here in California where we have my chart kind of thing. I don't know if that's national national or not, but you know, any of my practitioners from the Western medicine perspective can log in there and see what the others have done. Um, and mm. I have to applaud my, my primary care practitioner in that he reviews, even if it's five minutes before, he reviews my chart to see what else happened to me since I've seen him last. He goes, oh, I see you, went, you. We had your pap smear. Good. Oh, I see you had your mammogram. Per- it's perfect. Good, good, good. Oh, I see you had that thing looked at. Looks like that was nothing. Tell me about this trapeze accident you had. You know, I mean, he, he asked me those questions. Um, but I'm also very, <laughs> very forward in my contact with him and very direct in what I need. I have a problem with blah, blah, blah. Let's get a test for this. You know, um, he knows my background. He knows that he's not going to trick me or get, a, get away with not giving me full attention. But we can't get away with just one person anymore who knows everything about us. Um, and it is very confusing, like the uh, situation you had with your, your dad, Lamont, where he was on so many different meds with different doctors. I've seen that happen with my own dad. They, without even asking, put him on a stool softener because they assumed the um, pain meds would constipate him. Well, my dad had his gallbladder out. The thing he does not need is a stool softener. And the poor man found himself, you know, not able to get to the bathroom in time and making a mess all over the hospital and himself. And they gave him three of them before we finally got through their heads that he didn't need to be on that pill. You know, it's really frustrating. Um, They do their best. You know, doctors and nurses really do go into this wanting to help people. And I think the system is really broken right now. Well, if I and can, some, I and sometimes they've been on the job too long. I've noticed a lot too. Sometimes they've been doing it, and they get a little callous in their jobs. Sure. You know, that's true. I want to shift the conversation a little bit, if I could, Kathy. Too. Okay. In your book, you have you're talking about mindset, and um, there's a comment you have here that the average person has about sixty thousand thoughts a day. Uh-huh. And fifty thousand of them are negative. Yeah. I thought that was a really interesting observation. Uh, could you talk about that for a moment? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, we have this dialogue that runs through our heads pretty much at all times, and that's that voice that we try to quiet when we meditate. It's that running commentary, and oftentimes that running commentary heads to the negative. Um, either, oh, I hate that song, or, oh, that's a stupid outfit, or why did I do that? That's dumb, or I'm never going to make it. I'm not going to be able to do that. I'm too old. I'm too young. I'm too fat. My butt looks too big in this dress. You know, we have this this little MC that um, <laughs> can sometimes be really horrible to us, 
and it's those self-defeating, self-limiting thoughts that hold us back from getting those things we want. To me, the brain is like a really big search engine, and if you want to get on Google and you want to find out about cats, you don't type in dogs. Um, so we talk about wanting prosperity and abundance and health and love and relationships, and we're typing in anger and fear and jealousy and self-loathing. And you know, I think we need to learn to shift those thoughts. And I don't know who I have searched high and low for who originally did that study. Most experts quote that that number, the 60,000, with the 50,000 being negative. But I have yet to discover who actually did it. I'm assuming they couldn't actually sit there and count thoughts. That's not possible. Um, but it's a staggering number, and it, it makes sense to me uh, because I hear people saying things that are so negative all the time. And, you know, I am fall victim to that as well. Uh, it's hard to stop thinking things. It's really hard to turn the voice off completely. Um, so I recommend shifting them to something positive. So rather than having negative thoughts, turn them into something else and do affirmations. And what's really phenomenal about the brain is our brain doesn't recognize what we're thinking about and imagining and what's actually happening outside ourselves. It doesn't see the difference in that. So if I have you all think about the worst thing that ever happened to you, really see it, remember it, visualize it, feel it, your body's going to go into a stress response thinking it's actually happening again. Whereas if we're thinking about positive things and beautiful things and happy things and looking to the future with a positive mindset, our body and our, I believe, our external circumstances are going to react that same way. So um, with affirmations, you want to make them positive. You want to put them in the present, um, and you want to make them short. So something like, I am healthy and well. I am surrounded by loving and supportive friends. I am prosperous and abundant. I, ex I am successful in my career. You know, saying these things changes our physiology. It increases our sports performance and our athletic performance. Um, and also, as so many people believe, actually can change our external circumstances, whether it's something like The Secret or Think and Grow Rich or What the Bleep Do We Know. You know, we have this amazing ability to make change by what our minds are doing. And I, I think it's an undertapped resource. Not to say you don't have to ever work for anything and you can just sit at home and affirm stuff. Uh, you still have to do the work. You have to have effort with that affirmation, but it can make such a difference. And at the very least, it's shutting out the negative thoughts so that we're not having that stress response. And that's if that's the best it does, that's that's pretty darn good too. Wow, that's sure easier said. It's easier said than done. Well, that's true. But was there, Kathy? Was there anything in that in that study that about the sixty and the fifty thousand? It says. 50,000 of them are negative. Is there any explanation for why it's like five to one in the average person? Yeah, it's really interesting. I actually have always pondered that. And part of my dissertation um, for my Ph.D., I looked at why negative valence words had a quicker response time in the brain than positive ones. Well, it actually kind of makes sense if you look at how we developed as a species. Our brain's job is to protect us. And so anything that's happening around us that's scary, threatening, negative, we have to respond to pretty darn fast. If yeah. we're about to cross the street and someone screams no, we don't have time to consciously go, oh, they said no. I probably don't want to step in front of that car. You know, we just respond. Actually, we react. We don't respond. We just react to it. Mm -hmm. Whereas if we hear positive things, we have time to process that and enjoy that and go, oh, okay, well, that's, that sounds nice. You know, so with the brain's job to protect us, we, we react to those negative things quicker, and we are more aware, I think, of those negative things. And because it's trying to protect us, I think we put more negative things in our brain. Um, someone posed the other day the question of, is it a reward when we think all those negative things and then they don't happen. If we're worrying about something and then it doesn't happen, is there a reward that's fulfilled somehow of, oh, thank God mm. I dwelled on that because it didn't happen. Oh, I feel so much better mm -hmm. now. You know, I don't know the answer to that, but I know so many people that just seem to take great pleasure in worrying about things when that's not going to change anything. So why are, we, why are we doing that to ourselves? But that was an interesting, that was an interesting question. I have, to, I have to ponder that one more of, you know, are we getting well, a reward from worrying? Well, it sounds worrying? like it's a, it has to do with their survival, yep. instinctual survival thing that evolution has put in there. It would seem to me now, given that we're not walking around in the bushes and things are jumping out at us so much, yep. that, you know, now we're talking about affirmations. We're talking about how to redirect the mind to more positive things because that seems to be beneficial even to the immune system, I'm sure. Yeah. Yep. Um, 
And so we're we're at a stage of learning how to maybe shift that in a different direction of I wonder what life would be like if it was 30,000 negative and 30,000 positive or maybe even better mm-hmm. than that. Yeah. I think I think we'd have a lot of different outcomes. Um I had a client recently who had this it was a really ridiculous police incident and was the court involved and was she going to jail and was her daughter in trouble it was just, it's a long complicated story but she went through about 6 weeks of constant worry about the outcome of this event and mm-hmm. it finally was dismissed everything was dropped there was no problem and so she spent 6 weeks worrying about something that didn't happen and she was fine for about 3 days and then found out her mother's cancer treatment had stopped working so the chemo that had been shrinking said tumor was no longer shrinking it, and now the tumor was stable at a certain size. And she texted me and said, geez, just when I get done worrying about one thing, now I have to worry about this. And I wrote back to her, and I said, yes and no, you can choose to not worry about this. You know, We have that choice, just like we choose what we put in our mouth for food. We choose what we put in our brains as thoughts. And mm-hmm. she doesn't have to worry about her mother. You can't change anything. You're not going to make the chemo magically start working if you worry about her outcome. In fact, it's probably going to affect things negatively because now every time you're around her, you're going to be thinking, oh, God, what if she dies? What if the tumor grows? What if they, we can what if ourselves to death? Um, rather than being in that present moment and saying, my mom is here now. The tumor's in a stable place. I'm going to enjoy this moment with her. Because, frankly, if you think about it, and not to be morbid, but we never know when any of us, are going to go, <laughs> you know, especially with what's, with what's happening in the world right now. You could be at a parade and a truck might drive through. Um, I'm in California where if the earth shakes, the building could come down. Uh, you know, I was hitting a crosswalk. My dad was hitting a crosswalk by a car. Um, we don't know. So just because you have a diagnosis doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to speed things along. It, it might or it might not. Um, but this woman didn't have to, doesn't have to worry about her mother. You know, we need to be in the present moment with what we have right now, and right here and now, there is no stress. The stress is someplace else. So anything we can do to stay in this present moment is a, is a gift. So you would say you would say for our listeners, um, you know, that the best thing for us to do is when we have those negative thoughts to shift it immediately or to a positive thought to replace that negative thought. Absolutely. You got it. Got it. So I've I got to change the subject again because i got to hear this one story here before we let her go. Mm-hmm. Kathy, can you tell us about you and the trapeze? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I'm i kind of an adventure junkie. And like I said, I've been dancing since I was five, but I was always into trying new things. Um, go for it was always my motto. And my husband and I have done things like rappelling and spelunking and zip lining and parasailing and paragliding and um, scuba diving and swimming with sharks and swimming with dolphins. And I just Anything like that, I'll try. I just think it's so cool. Why would I not want to experience that? And a couple of years ago, a client heard me rattle off that list, and she said, geez, what's left on your bucket list? And I said, well, I don't really believe in a bucket list. I said, to me, you go do what you can now. You don't put it on a list and hope for the best in the future. Um, she said, okay, well, what haven't you tried? And I said, oh, I really want to do trapeze. And as the words came out of my mouth, I thought, oh, geez, I guess I better do it because I just said out loud that I wanted to go. So um, I signed up a couple weeks later to do flying trapeze uh, right on the pier in Santa Monica, and I've been hooked. I've been doing it for a little over three years now. I've done dozens of tricks. I've flown at seven or eight rigs around the country. I did a show in Seattle. Um, I've had two really bad accidents, <laughs> um, which one took me out for about seven months. Uh, it was really scary uh, and could have been. It was that what-if thing of, wow, I actually could have died had I landed just a little bit differently. Um, but, yeah, I ended up ripping myself up pretty good. But, you know, I'm back up there. In fact, I flew yesterday. I'll be flying next weekend. Um, it's a parallel for life to me. It's you climb that ladder and it's a little scary and it's a little shaky and you stand up there and you wait for your calls and someone says to jump and you go and you fly through the air and someone catches you and deposits you safely down in the net. Um, and it's about mindfulness and being present because the two times that I got hurt, I was projecting into the future. I was worrying about what was going to come next rather than listening and being here now. Um, so it's been amazing for me. It's the best exercise. I think I'm in the best shape I've ever been in at 46. Um, and it's 
to me, just an illustration of go do what you want to do. What are we waiting for? Why are we saving <laughs> China? You know, why is the pretty lingerie sitting in the drawer for that special moment? It's like, what if that moment never comes? To yeah, what I've been if asking it's... Lamont about that one. This pretty lingerie. Is, I think he's wearing it now. Yeah, why, why he keeps his lingerie in the, in the closet. Yeah. Oh, well. I don't know, man. I'm still, try, I'm still trying to get over this trapeze thing. I don't know what oh. you're talking about. It's so amazing. It's so amazing. Lamont, you live. You live. You could You could do that. You should try that, man. No, no. Just like I'm not like just like I'm not for jumping out of a good plane either. Right, yeah. yeah. How am I jumping out of no, a perfectly no good plane? No skydiving for you, Kathy. You did oh, skydiving, right? I did. Yeah, I've done it twice. And you know, frankly, I have to say now that I started doing trapeze, skydiving doesn't hold much for me uh, because trapeze is all about you. You know, it's you doing the trick, it's you figuring it out, it's you working through it. And with the skydiving, you're strapped to a young man typically who you hope is having a good day. <laughs> you know, and isn't gonna and is gonna open the shoe when he's supposed to. Uh, but yeah, no, I just I'm hooked on the trapeze, so I'll I'll stick with that. But yeah, but it's just it you know whether it's uh, trying a new restaurant or driving a different way to work or uh, trying, you know, it's, it's whatever it is. And I have so many clients that make statements like, I want to go in a hot air balloon. Okay, well, go. What are you waiting for? You know, um, if you've got the time and the money, go for it. Because we don't know when our future's over. Uh, and the future starts now. So let's do what we right. want to do, take advantage of it, and be an example for others to go do what they want to do. We'd be so much happier if we just lived our dreams. Yeah, we always say uh, tomorrow's really not promised, but that's what people just say, though. Huh. I do think that life would be better for so many, many people, and life in general, if people, as you said, live their dreams. It just, you know, we stop worrying about what everybody else is doing when we're focused on our own. Yeah. So, Matt, we're Matthew. pretty close to the end here, right? Yeah, that's what I was just going to tell you and tell Kathy. We almost got three minutes left on the show, and let's let Kathy tell the world how they can get in contact with her to go get her books and continue to support her and maybe even get a trapeze lesson. There you go. <laughs> yes. Fabulous. That's all on my site. Yeah, no, I appreciate you guys having me. Um, the best place to reach me is my website, which is thealternativemedicinecabinet.com, and all five of my books are there. There's some trapeze videos if you need to see those. Uh, there is a free newsletter sign-up. They come out every two or three months when I actually get around to sending it out, and there's tons of free resources. There's links to past media, so I'll put this show up as well, and ways to contact me there if you have any questions or need anything. Again, it's thealternativemedicinecabinet.com and go check it out. There's some really great stuff there. Uh, and that we shall do. And what else? I know you got something else, Matthew. I know you got something else. You well, I was just going to tell Kathy, them. thank you, Kathy. You you talk so fast. You loved, It's a good thing that we recorded this. Because anybody who didn't get the whole show or needs to review any of it can go online to Can a Player Play and rehear everything that Kathy said and you gave a lot of very useful information in a brief amount of time. So I really appreciate you being here and taking time out to be with us and being so clear about so many things that you had to say that are helpful to people. I'm sure a lot of our listeners are just thinking, wow, go back and listen to that again. Oh God, I'm so glad. I'm just here to help. That's what I do. So I appreciate you having me. Definitely. We constantly hear people on the show talk about their stress issues, so you definitely gave them some baby steps and things that they could do to help develop, um, help develop, you know, period. Just get their uh-huh. heads together because we always talk about this, talk about that, but people should do it and not talk about it. Exactly. Go for it. Go for it. That's it. Go for it, Matthew. Okay, I'm so I'm gonna start doing that as soon as I get off this 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 phone call. I'm gonna be going for it as soon as that happens. Excellent. Let us know how it goes. (laughs) I think it's gonna be good. (laughs) Well, well, thank you again, Kathy, for joining us, and for all you listeners who join us late. um, Like Matthew said. the show will be available on iTunes. I know you got all your podcast stuff, or wherever you get your podcast from, you can hear the show again. Of course, you can hear it on worldmovement.com or um, blogtalkradio.com forward slash player. You can get it there. But just make sure you get it. 
good stuff with Dr. Kathy Grover about getting your head straight, basically. Come back yes. next week. See us. We'll be here. Okay. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.